I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Good to have you here on this Monday in the divided states of America. <laughs> that, that does it feel like that. We call ourselves the United States, but we are divided in so many ways, not just in the country, you know, in in the church as well. It's, it's kind of always been that way. It, it, divisions happen. How do we how do we deal with those? Uh, well, that's sort of the topic for today. Uh, the, our guest today is a gentleman named Daniel Darling, and he is the director of the Land Center for Cultural Engagement at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. We'll have to ask him what that means. He's also assistant professor of faith and culture at Texas Baptist College, and he's written extensively. Uh, he's been published in World Magazine, USA Today, The Washington Post, The Gospel Coalition, Christianity Today, and he's also appeared on uh, some lesser shows than Life Today Live, places like CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News. Uh, he also hosts a weekly podcast called The Way Home, and he's authored 15 books, and the latest is the one we're going to talk about today. It is called Agents of Grace, How to Bridge Divides and Love as Jesus Love. Daniel Darling, uh, welcome to Live Today. Great to have you on the program. Well, I'm honored to be on here with you and just so thankful to talk with you today. So give us a little bit of a springboard to know exactly what we're talking about here. Because we talk about division, you know, we can we can look lots of different ways. Um, what, do, what are you looking at? Are you looking at all of them pretty comprehensively or are you focusing on some specific areas? Well, I think, you know, I've written an, uh, a few things about sort of polarization and um, uh e- you know, in the country, in America, yeah. um, in, in some of my other books, particularly my last book, Away With Words. But this book, I'm really talking about division among Christians, among believers. And, uh, you know, in the last four or five years, you've probably seen it, Randy, like I have, where um, it just seems there's a lot of things that are causing churches, families, you know, Christian organizations causing rifts. Uh, and look, we are in... Um, these sort of shifting times, right, with the digital revolution, COVID, racial tension, all these things. Uh, but, you know, the church uh, is called to be um, unified. You know, Jesus said that one of the ways that they would know, people would know that we are his is by the way we love each other. And so in this book, I really try to talk about a number of things. Number one, what are the things worth fighting for? The things that really we should go to the mat for? And what are the things that Christians can disagree on, but really be open-handed about? How do we forgive? How do we um, um, live with joy? There's a lot of cynicism about uh, the church. Uh, there's a lot of bad headlines. Sometimes we've talked ourselves into thinking that maybe God is not on the move and at work in the world uh, in this age. And so those are all things that I think are important. Yeah. Uh, well, let's start right at the top because I do think it's important to establish uh, <laughs> some ground rules for uh, the way we, we approach uh, different areas. Uh, and and I, I think when you say there are some things that we can't uh, compromise on, um, I think it's important to lay those out. Um, what would you consider the things that we we don't compromise on. We don't go open-handedly in. Are there any? 
Well, I think I think there are. You know, uh, Paul says two things really uh, to to Timothy in First Timothy. He says, um, "Stand firm in the faith." You know, um, fight the good fight of faith. Uh, very similar to what Jude says, where he says that we should contend earnestly for the faith once delivered to the saints. There's a body of truth that is passed down from through to Christians for 2000 years, Christian orthodoxy. You think about the Trinity and the exclusivity of Christ and the virgin birth. I would put a Christian sexual ethic uh, up there as well. Like this is so woven through scripture, not something we have the authority to change. Um, but then Paul also says to Timothy in second Timothy, he says, avoid foolish and stupid questions. Um, <laughs> you know, th th there are things that are, that are not worth fighting about. And so I think when it comes to Christian orthodoxy, we have to, we have to uphold what is true and good and beautiful about what the Bible says that who God is. Um, but then there's, there's secondary things that Christians have disagreed with over 2000 years that uh, denominations divide along those. And I think that's okay. You know, I'm a, I'm a convictional Baptist. Uh, I, I love the work that my Presbyterian and Lutheran assemblies of God brethren are doing. We, there's so much we can work together on, but then we probably organize our churches a little differently. Mm -hmm. uh, but then there's tertiary issues like that. Even people in the same congregation might disagree on, you know, how do you educate your kids or how exactly did you handle COVID or, you know, what do you do with your politics that, that we can disagree on, but uh, you know, be friends and fellowship. And it, what I'm what I'm worried about Randy is that in the last four to five or six years, Christians are dividing and savaging each other over these tertiary things. And it's taking away energy from fighting for the things that matter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know people, and you probably have this in your life too, where people, they agree on almost everything that's of, that, that matters. Like on the Venn diagram, they probably overlap, you know, yeah. Yeah. but they don't talk to each other because of a political figure or because of how someone handled COVID or something like that. And so I think that takes away energy. I think the dev, the enemy loves a divided church because um, he can, he can do more damage. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> no doubt about that. So I think some of the disagreement, some of the trouble uh, at times may come from knowing what is primary, what is secondary, what is tertiary kind of thing. Um, and I, you know, I grew up in Southern Baptist church uh, I am now a, a Presbyterian, and that's mm -hmm. fairly recent. And in looking at that church, I had to go, okay, what does that mean? Because it can mean a lot. You know, the PCUSA is embracing some things that uh, I consider essential to Christianity that I disagree with. I, I wouldn't be a part of it. So this one's a Cumberland Presbyterian for those that care. Uh, and so it's more, you know, uh, theologically conservative. But, well, let's just put a face on it. Uh, Someone says, you know, Jesus is not the Messiah. I'm assuming, you know, you, we would agree this is not a an issue that we would compromise on, right? Um, what about some of the, the other issues that are, some would consider political, but we would consider more theological, like uh, ordaining homosexuals in the pulpit? Where, mm -hmm. how, do we, how do we handle something like that? Well, again, we have to we have to draw the line where the scripture draws the line, especially on some of those things. I mean, um, when it comes to a Christian sexual ethic, um, I don't think that can be an agree to disagree issue. I think, um, you know, Jesus, Paul, and Moses all agreed that marriage is between 
man and woman for life. The sexuality is best reserved for marriage. Uh, really not because, you know, Christianity is cranky and, and wants to stifle everyone's fun, but because this is what God has intended that's best for human flourishing. So we, um, and so I, I don't think we can amend the scriptures to accommodate that. You know, uh, Christians have believed for 2000 years that this is, this is what the scriptures believe. Um, but then there's other areas where it should be open-handed uh, on politics. Um, there are issues that good Christians might disagree on, on the prudence of how to approach it, right? So all of us agree, I think, I think biblically we all have to agree that uh, we should help the poor, that the poor shouldn't be exploited. Sure. Um, but good people might disagree on the best approach to lifting up the poor. Mm -hmm. Some might say we need this private sector thing, this market-based thing. Other people want to say, no, here's a role for the government. And good people can disagree on those things. Or things like healthcare, or even, even uh, we have a presidential primary coming up and people are going to have a favorite candidate or whatever. And we shouldn't let a politician or a candidate divide us in, in, the, in the church. We might even think, hey, my friend over here, the way he does politics or the way he does this, I think he's wrong. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean we're going to separate from them. In fact, I think in our differences... Uh, we've, you know, unity is not sameness. Mm -hmm. Unity is working side by side, living side by side, loving each other in the midst of our uh, diversity and our difference. Yeah. Well, you know, we've seen you know, on the political side, we've seen this within Republicans, conservatives, people who generally are together on the issues. We've just seen the division over Trump just right. Just, I mean, it's like splitting people right down the middle. Uh, and legit, I know families where if one supports Trump, the other won't talk to them kind of thing. Uh, and you just go, that is not, that is not the biblical view. So what do you, what do you, what do you suggest to people who run up against something? And maybe it's not, a, you know, Trump, maybe it's, maybe it's that very issue of, you know, this, my, my son or daughter thinks that, uh, we should accept homosexuality because they have homosexual friends and they're nice people, you know, even though they may not agree with it, you know, and, and now that's split families up. How do we, how do we bridge those, those divides that are very real, uh, but we don't want to compromise, but we still have, we, you know, we want that relationship. I think that's the, that's the tough part where people live, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it depends the issue, right? I mean, when it comes to things like Trump or a politician, look, um, there were people who said, you know, I don't like, I can't vote for Trump because of the character issues, sure. even though, you know, I'm conservative. It's a bridge too far. Yeah. There's others who said, I don't agree with his character issues. I don't like all that, but the policy matters. I'm going to vote for him. And, um, you know, I think what's sad when I look around is to say, why did we let a figure like this divide us? What we share as Christians is so much more precious, so much more eternal. Yeah. You know, imagine looking back and saying, I had this really deep friendships or I had this good church or I had this, these good things. And I gave all that up and I, or, or we separated from people because of a political figure that will pass from the scene. Mm. Um, so I think we have to determine, make a determination that we're not going to let that happen. Mm. I think it has to be intentional. Mm. You have to say, man, I disagree with my brother and sister over here on this. I'm not going to let this happen. Same over here. And I share some stories in the book about going through politics, about almost losing some relationships or having some friends that I'd strongly disagreed with on some things. Um, 
when it comes to other issues, I mean, you know, we talk about uh, sexual ethic, we talk about Christianity, and I think, um, you know, Christians can be, <clears throat> can and should be, um, we can be both civil and courageous when it comes to people who do things that we know are violate scripture. So, so think about our approach toward the LGBT community. I think of First Peter three fifteen and 16, which is really a life verse for me, where Peter says that we should have an answer for every person for the hope that lies within us. In other mm -hmm. words, we should answer the deep questions of the age. We should have courage mm -hmm. to speak truth into an age. And there's a lot of questions people are asking about sexuality, about what does it mean to be human? What is a man? What is a woman? All that. The Bible has the answers. We should be courageous to share those things. But then Peter says, but do it with gentleness and kindness. And, you know, Peter was an apostle. Peter lost his life for the gospel. Uh, tradition says he was uh, crucified upside down. Um, Peter was jailed for preaching the gospel. He was willing to pull out a sword to cut off someone's ear. Like he was no shrinking violet, right? And yet Peter, the apostle says, make sure when you are advocating for truth that you do it with civility. And I think in our world today, we have this idea that courage and civility can't go together, that you either, you either speak truth and you don't care what you, how you say it, or you're so worried about what people think you don't say anything. And I think we need both of those things. Um, um, there's some people who fall on the courage side. I mean, sorry, there's some people who fall on the civility side who anytime their Christianity offends anyone, they get nervous mm. and they think I must be doing something wrong. I got to amend this to fit the times, right? I'm just going to listen to the siren song of the age and I'm going to adjust my Christianity. To them, I say, you need some courage to know that what Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. And we shouldn't go out of our way to be hated. But true Christianity will always be countercultural in some way. To them, I say, you need courage. Now, there's some people fall on the civility side. I'm sorry, there's some people uh, who fall on the, uh, the courage side right. and they say, man, I like the fight. I'm unafraid to speak the truth, and you don't care who you offend. And to them, I say, well, the Bible doesn't just care what we say, but how we say it. Right. Right. So right. it depends where you fall, but I think we need both of those at the same time. Um, the idea that the only way for me to love someone is to affirm and ratify every single decision they make, that's not real love. You know, that's um, flattery. Love is actually the ability to love someone in spite of what I think about, in spite of even disagreeing with them. Yeah, right. So we can say to the LGBT community, we love you, we pray for you, we care for you. This is what we believe because this is what is best for human flourishing, and we invite you to, to investigate and explore what God says about our bodies and about our sexuality and about, about salvation. Uh, I could go so many directions with this. Uh, and I, and I, I think you're hundred percent right, by the way, there, for every, every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch and we, we really need to find that ground and, and on the, on the courage and the civility, I think you're spot on. I think people need to hear that and put it into practice. Um, I, I think some of my difficulties come from people that I think don't do what you're suggesting, you know, um, you and I have some theological differences. I could probably name one right now very easily because I, I know the Baptist tradition and there's one that's mm -hmm. preached a lot that I disagree with. Um, but it's secondary or even tertiary. I mean, you know, it's, it's not, uh, it's not a core conviction of Christianity. Um, and yet I, you know, people will comment sometimes not to my face typically, but you know, 
you're, you're a heretic or maybe you're not even saved kind of thing, you know, uh, because I disagree about this. I don't agree with dispensationalism. Right. So mm-hmm. how do we, how do we, it's, I, I, I have the obligation to go, okay, look, I disagree with dispensationalism, but we can have a great yeah. conversation. Let's talk about it. And afterwards, I'm not going to think, unless I'm, you know, the, the love is going to be there. Dr. Jefferson, Robert Jefferson, and I have had some really good conversations. He's wonderful about this, you know. But then other people, yeah. if you don't agree with them theologically, they say you don't believe the Bible, you know. You're, you're, right. You need to get saved, you know, or something. I don't know how to deal sometimes with those people. It's almost like, dude, just what, what do you do with people that are so dogmatic like that? If you don't agree with me theologically— we have no common ground kind of thing. Any advice? Well, I mean, <laughs> that's a great question. I mean, you know, the especially the end times and, and for all of us, you know, we could say all of us agree the Lord is coming soon. All of us agree there's going to be a new heavens and new earth. But how it all works out, Christians have disagreed with this for 2,000 years. This I is know. one of those things that even in the same congregation, we could say, you're, you know, uh, your historic pre-mill, your pre-trib, your amill, we all love Jesus. Um, we all agree on the distinctives of the faith. I, I think we should be, you know, it, it, it's, there's a tension. I think on these second tertiary things, I don't think we should not have an opinion at all. Mm. I think people should have opinions mm. and should land somewhere. Um, but understand it's not something I would go to the, to, I would not die at the stake for that opinion, right? And, right. you know, we might even organize ourselves differently and we might even, read differently on some of those things, but to make it an ultimate issue really, I think, tears away from our, our unity uh, as Christians. Um, I actually think Christianity, you know, evangelicalism does best when we have denominations that are really catechizing in their own tradition, but then open-handed on the areas where we disagree, things like evangelism and relief and all these other mm-hmm. things. Um, and I, I learned from the other traditions, right? So I'm a Baptist. Um, I'm reformed, um, pretty politically conservative, but man, I read and I learn from, you know, Anglicans and Lutherans and Presbyterians and Catholics and uh, all these folks, because I don't think my tradition is, is as much as we bring to the table and as proud as I am to be here, I don't think we have all the answers on everything. Mm. And I don't think the other ones do. And I think together we form this mosaic of the body of Christ. Um, and so I, I think we have to be careful that we don't put so much energy into defending tertiary doctrines that are important, but not ultimate, at the expense of proclaiming the true and good and beautiful of what we all agree and know is is uh, is is ultimate. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's very interesting. Are we talking to Daniel Darling? This is his book, Agents of Grace. Uh, and I'm blanking on a word. I know you can help me with this, Daniel. The, but the word when you uh, when you have people you know, Catholics and Protestants working together, coming together. There's a word for that that you is very common, and I'm just—it's been a long weekend. Um, <laughs> but what do you, what do you call that when when you sort of start mixing people of different faith backgrounds? Do you know what I'm, Do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a difference between Christian unity and the sort of multi-faith. You know, I think if that's what you're getting to, Ecumen- um, ecumenicalism, it just came to me. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think there's a there's a healthy ecumenic 
ecumenism, ecumenism, okay. um, where Christians who agree on the orthodox truths of the Christian faith, but come from different traditions, work together. I think that's good. Okay. Um, but I think that's different than syncretism, where you're saying, um, you know, Christianity and Islam and Buddhism and Hinduism are all kind of saying the same thing and all paths lead to God. Right, right. You know, first of all, we can't say that because to be a Christian, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So, right. you know, if there's only one path to God, we would be cruel to not declare that. And Christianity just doesn't, Jesus doesn't, Jesus doesn't allow you to do that. By the way, the other religions don't either. If you talk to Hindus and, and Muslims and, and Buddhists and, 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 and others who, who really understand their faith, they're making the same claim about their religion, sure. right? Now, we happen to believe that Christianity is true. And I think because of the resurrection, you know, we're on firm ground here. Um, I think that's different. I think mixing those is mixing truth with error. And you know, the Bible says a little leaven leavens the whole lump, that a little untruth makes the whole thing bad. Um, but that's different than Christians who come from different traditions, who believe um, the gospel, nevertheless having differences in other things, but coming together on yeah. on areas where they can't. But sure, surely you're aware that to, for you to say that you would read something from a Catholic, there are people, man, there are people on our side. You'll get friendly fire right in the back for that one. Yeah. Well, listen, I read a lot of Catholics. I think their Catholic social teaching is is really good and helpful and instructive. Um, but I'm also grateful for the Reformation. And listen, <laughs> right. I will tell my Catholic friends that. And listen, on Reformation Day, I'm proudly wearing a Luther is my homeboy t-shirt. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> and, you know, and you know what, in, in the way you said that even, I, I think that actually illustrates a point that is fair to make and that is on some of these things we just need to lighten up you know i, I yeah. think yeah. man we, we just we want to everybody wants to be right i want to be right i want to understand the scripture i don't think i do understand everything exactly right and and so i my attitude is that i'm probably i know i'm wrong about something i just don't know what it is so i'm going to be open to listening to other points of view and dialoguing and even debating in, in a friendly way hopefully so that I can maybe figure out where my blind spot is or maybe maybe where I don't understand something. I mean, it to me, and I'm curious, what, you know, since you wrote the book on it, if we maintain a posture of, of learning, then that openness is okay. It's not uh, a lack of grounding to be open when you're still learning, you know, uh, I just, when someone has all the right answers, I'm probably not interested in hearing them from you because you're so closed, I think you're probably just wrong and I can't have a good conversation with you. What do you? Not, yeah, I think that's right. And I think one of the things we have to practice today is, you know, I the, the first chapter I talk about what does love require? Um, love, the love chapter first Corinthians, you know, Jesus said to his disciples, this command I give you to love one another as I have loved you. Um, so it's not a thing we should get to when we have time. It's actually a command. We're to love our brothers and sisters. What does love require? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 gives us a sense of what love requires. And I won't exegete the chapter here because I don't think we have time. But <laughs> one of the things that love requires is, is the benefit of the doubt. 
Bible says love believes all things. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways to to really build unity and preserve friendships and to love each other is is to give grace, to not assume that someone who disagrees with us is com- is doing it from a place of malice. Right. Or if someone makes a mistake that they're they're doing it because they're they're out to get get you or or they have a ulterior motive. They may, but we don't know that. We shouldn't be naive, right? About we should hold people accountable, but we shouldn't be cynical either and just assume everyone's got an agenda. Um love doesn't allow us to. And I think we need to hang on to our um friendships. Mm. We need to hang on to our friendships and um genuine friendships is to say, I'm not letting you go. I think of Ruth and Naomi, where Naomi lost her two sons and her husband. She's going back to her ancestral homeland. Ruth is a Moabitess. She says to Naomi, I'm going with you. I'm sticking with you. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. In other words, to say, you you, you can't let me, I'm not going to let you go. I'm going to hang on and be your friend. And I think in this age, we we desperately need those kinds of friendships. Or even Jonathan saying to David, you know, I'm going to be here with you. Even though Jonathan gave up the right to the throne, he didn't let politics, he didn't let his dad's own pursuit of David. He said, look, God has his hand on this on David and I'm going to be his friend. Mm. So genuine. We need to get back to genuine friendship. And, I, and I, I just encourage people when so many, there's so many perverse incentives to divide. There's so many incentives to please an unseen audience online at the expense of our flesh and blood relationships. We really need to resist that and say, yes, I disagree strongly with my friend on this issue. I think he's crazy over here, or I think this friend over here is crazy, yeah. but I'm going to love them. And you know what? Sometimes you're the crazy uncle yeah. that someone has to justify being friends with. Yeah. So I think we need to return to that. Well, it sounds like you're, you're suggesting we should practice uh, not only grace, but humility, maybe even sacrifice sometimes. I mean, are these attitudes that are necessary to, as Paul said, strive actively for peace? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the the scriptures, you know, Ephesians says to, um, depends on the translation, but to essentially intentionally work for or strive to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. In other words, um, it has to be, it has to be an intentional effort. Again, a lot of times we think unity is just like, a bunch of people holding hands around a campfire singing Kumbaya. Right. We think unity is sameness. Unity is just saying, I disagree with my brother or sister. We may have a conversation, but I'm going to remember their brother and sister in Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to trash. I'm not going to go online and trash them mm-hmm. because they're from another tribe. I may disagree with them, but I'm not going to trash them. Or, or saying, I have strong feelings about this coming election. But I'm not going to let that cloud my judgment and keep keep me away from people who might land in a different place. Um, all those things. Or I'm not going to let this get in the way of it. And that's not to say that we shouldn't hold people accountable. Sometimes unity is used as a as a club or a weapon when there's scandal mm-hmm. or there's um, you know corruption. Look, 
God, we want God to expose the works of darkness. We we shouldn't use unity as a reason not to deal with those things. But a lot of our fights, if we're care, if we're not, if we're being honest, as James says, where do you where do your, you know, where do all these divisions come? They come from your the lusts that prey upon your your soul. And uh, I think if we're honest, most of our fights are not the good fight that Paul urges <laughs> yeah, right. uh, Timothy toward, but they're petty fights. Yeah, they tend to be. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you your, your bottom line goal of making us agents of grace. But before you answer that, I want to show people real quick, quickly your website. This is danieldarling.com and you can find his, uh, the podcast, the way home podcast there as well as some other resources. And if you want to connect with him, you can do that there. But, uh, sort of if we become agents of grace what 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 do you at the end of the day do you see as our ultimate goal of even bothering or striving to to do this to do this thing to, to behave in this way because sometimes it's a lot easier just to form my own opinion be right and you know the heck with everybody else you're, this is some work you're suggesting <laughs> i'm just curious what yeah. the end game is of this well i'm very personal in this book too i talk about two betrayals that i've had um, I talk in this book about forgiveness and how, how to find deep forgiveness. I have a whole chapter on church hurt. What, what, what haven't even been hurt by the church. Okay. Um, and so I know there are people out there who have been hurt by other Christians who wonder if they can trust the church or cynical. And I just want to invite them to read this and say, here's what God has done with me and how I've been able to overcome these things. Mm. Why unity and love matter. Why I still believe in the evangelical church. Mm. Uh, why I still believe God is doing a work among us, um, all of those things. Yeah. Uh, well, Lord knows, my my pastor, who by the way, my previous pastor until we moved across town, but for 19 years, was uh, the former pastor of First Baptist Fort Worth. You would know, um, and Bill Ramsey Jr. He used to say, "If you haven't been hurt in church, just stick around." If you wait long yes. enough, right? That's so true. And and it's because it's so true. It's made up of people, imperfect people, you know. Yeah. Uh, and absolutely, the, it's 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 not an not an excuse. And so, I mean, and if you're there, I'm not saying it's not real. I, it absolutely is real, and it act, it can be very painful. But what Daniel's saying is is correct. There is still hope. And if you want a little encouragement, you can pick up his book. He'll walk with you through it. Daniel, appreciate your time, your insight, and and openness, and kind of navigating through some of these, you know, ro uh, rocky areas and try to find some firm footing. Thank you. Appreciate you. Well, thank you. And uh, it was a delight to be on with you and love the work that you're doing. And any other time we want to chat, I'd love to uh, love to talk with you. Great. Wonderful. Appreciate it. And appreciate all you guys out there watching. If you haven't subscribed or followed, please do that now. You'll get notification of more interesting interviews. I've got some really good ones lined up. By the way, I'll be out of town next week at NRB, uh, and uh, I have pre-recorded some really exciting interviews. So it's going to be a good week when I'm not here. Uh, so, so please stick around and uh, hit that share button if you want to encourage somebody, maybe someone that's been through some of the stuff we've touched on today. And you can, of course, pick up the book Agents of Grace wherever you get books. It looks just like that. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. man comes to the Father, but by me. The only way to God is Jesus Christ.